Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, day after day, communities and businesses face a relentless onslaught of shattered storefronts, rampant shoplifting, and violent assaults at levels never seen before. This total chaos and disorder is the direct result of the Premier's soft-on-crime policies and his catch-and-release playbook that he oversaw while Attorney General. But people have had enough, including the Save Our Streets Coalition, made up of retailers and community groups that have a clear message for the Premier that what he is doing is not working. So my question is, when will the Premier listen to the united voices of communities and businesses and admit that his soft-on-crime approach has utterly failed? Attorney General. I want to... I thank the member for the question, Mr. Speaker. Public safety is very important. Every British Columbian deserves to feel safe in this province. It's something that the Premier, when he was Attorney General, and, and myself as Attorney General take very seriously. Uh, we've been advocating for bail reform at a federal level. In fact, I was the only minister from across this country to speak at the Senate Committee to ask for quick uh, passing of the bail reform in this country. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we're investing in the programs on the ground across government to make sure that the communities have the resources they need to face the challenges that they're seeing um, when it comes to some increase in vandalism and crime. Mr. Speaker, we'll continue to put in the effort it takes to make this better for communities. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, Mr. Speaker, the Attorney General talks about the federal bail reform, but that only applies to violent repeat offenders. We are talking about prolific property crime offenders that are creating chaos in our streets. And that's the difference between rhetoric and the results that people want to see. The fact of the matter is that crime and violence in our communities has never been worse than it is under this Premier and this government. Clint Melman, the London Drugs uh, President, member of the Save Our Streets Coalition, said it best, and I quote, Words don't mean much. We want to see measurable results, end of quote. The evidence is there in every smashed car window, every defaced storefront, and across every neighborhood in our province. People demand results, not rhetoric, not excuses. So when will the Premier end the soft-on-crime approach and finally admit that this catch-and-release playbook has utterly failed and when will they commit to restoring consequences and treating all crimes seriously? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. This government takes public safety very seriously. In fact, we have a cross-government approach through our Safer Communities Action Plan where I'm joined by my colleagues making real investments on the ground for communities. Again, I was the only minister from across this country to advocate at the federal level for bail reform. We're investing in a repeat offenders initiative that's on the ground resources for our police officers, our crown counsel, our probation officers to surround themselves around repeat violent offenders. We've invested in more, in more resources for RCMP officers. We're going to continue to take action, Mr. Speaker, because that's what we're about. Thank you. Leader of the Official Opposition, second supplemental. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, the, the reality, Mr. Speaker, is that we didn't see this seven years ago. Under this Premier, we've seen rampant street disorder but to become, as the NDP like to describe it, as the new normal. Apparently, we're supposed to just accept this as the new normal, which we don't, nor do the Save Our Streets Coalition. 
which is a grassroots alliance from Dawson Creek to Victoria, and they are rapidly seeing new members joining virtually daily because people and businesses are fed up with being afraid in their own neighborhoods, in their own workplaces, and when they go out to shop. So when will this soft on crime, crime premier and attorney general realize that their failed policies and the reckless decriminalization they've overseen has fueled this explosion of violence and street disorder? And when will they actually treat all crimes seriously and restore law and order to our communities? Attorney General. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we've been investing in, in resources on the ground across communities to address the challenges that they're facing. In fact, communities across North America and this country are facing challenges when it comes um, to some incidents of, of crime. We know that communities need support, and we're doing that, Mr. Speaker. I had the chance to visit the repeat offender initiatives in Surrey and Vancouver that have been up and running for, for four months, five months now, and have 300 cases referred to them. They are looking at the most prolific offenders right now and figuring out how to keep communities safe by keeping them off the streets. And it's working, Mr. Speaker. And that was a program that was around in 2012 that was cut by that government. Mr. Speaker, we will continue to make the re invest in the resources needed to make the situation better. Thank you. House Leader of the Official Opposition. Well, Mr. Speaker, uh, violence, social disorder, and property crime has never been worse in British Columbia than it is today under this soft on crime premier. Uh, the premier's refusal to treat all crime seriously is also having a profound impact on British Columbians, costing each family uh, $500 annually due to unchecked retail crime. The Save Our Streets Coalition highlights the huge costs of spiraling theft a fact highlighted by the second wave of Operation Barcode by Vancouver Police, which netted 258 arrests and $57,000 in stolen merchandise. Now, despite the best efforts of police, under this Premier's catch-and-release justice system, nearly half of these arrests did not lead to charges. Incredible. When will the Premier stop his catch-and-release approach to the justice in this province and treat all crime, including property crimes seriously and with urgency. Attorney General. Um, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I, I just want to correct a statistic there, which is just not true. Of the files that the BC Prosecution Service received from the B VPD related to the barcode project, over 83% were approved for charges. House Leader Supplemental. Mr. Speaker, for months now, uh, the BC United opposition has been consistently urging this NDP government to step up with supports for small businesses that have been hard hit by social disorder, chaos, property crimes, uh, as a result of the Premier's deliberate policy choices. Now, these calls have been blatantly ignored by this government over the past year. With NDP foot-dragging, insufficient funding, and applications for the long-overdue government aid program still yet to open, this is far too little and far too late. Even worse, if you want to apply for a crime prevention grant, your business is not eligible unless you or your neighbours have already been a victim of crime. That's getting the very idea of crime prevention a little bit backwards, don't you think? 
My question to the Premier is this. When will the Premier put a stop to his catch and release policies and treat all crimes in British Columbia, including property crimes and retail crimes, seriously and again with the urgency that small businesses and British Columbians deserve? Minister of Jobs and Economic Development. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Thank you to the member opposite for the question. We are seeing challenges for small businesses in downtown cores all across Canada, all across North America. It's a concerning trend. Incidences of violence and crime, they worry us. It's important that small businesses and people working in small businesses feel safe. That's why we're doing a number of different things to address this challenge. The Safer Community Action Plan is a very important part of it. But also, we met with small businesses and heard from them that they need some direct support. Our securing small business rebate is $2,000 to help small businesses that have been impacted, graffiti, break-ins, the like. It also can cover the deductible because, of course, businesses also have insurance, so the deductible can be used. The $1,000 is in addition to that to allow small businesses to purchase things like cameras and roll-downs to provide some protection. The whole $3,000 can be applied for as of November 22nd, and it's backdated to January 1st all of this year. House Leader of Third Party. Mr. Speaker, on the carbon tax, first the BC NDP flipped, but when they flopped, it was on to the right side of history. And while the United Liberal Conservatives chase runaway political rhetoric, this BC NDP government remains committed to the carbon tax, one important tactic to address runaway climate change. Gratitude to the Premier and his ministers. We stand with them in this effort. On, on, energy, on, on energy policy, though, Mr. Speaker, not so much. They failed to set binding climate targets to track and report progress, and most notably to rapidly wind down fossil fuel production. Approving LNG Canada, wood fiber LNG, and cedar LNG make it impossible for us to honestly achieve our climate targets. And they lock fracking and LNG exports for decades. These are the opposites of climate action. The Premier stated we cannot continue to expand fossil fuel infrastructure and hit our climate goals. Honourable Speaker, my question is to the Premier. When will the Premier stand by his words and stop expanding fossil fuel infrastructure? Minister of Environment. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to the member both for the question and for his obvious commitment uh, to action on climate change. We do, however, disagree on a number of matters. The, uh, the member opposite and many people, unfortunately, focus on a narrow band to say none of the actions that we're taking in our comprehensive Clean BC plan is a commitment to meeting our climate targets. That's simply not true. We're taking action on transportation. We're taking action on home heating. We're taking action on decarbonizing industry. And we are taking action through our new energy action framework in developing a regulatory cap on emissions from the oil and gas sector to meet our target of a minimum 33% reduction 
by 2030. That's what we're doing. We're also focusing through the major projects and Clean Energy Office on encouraging and supporting the development of clean energy and clean energy technologies in all its forms, as recently witnessed with the agreement of our Premier and the Premier of Newfoundland and Labrador to collaborate on hydrogen production. House Leader, Third Party Supplemental. Thank you. While we stand with this government in support of the carbon tax, we will continue to hold the government accountable to the commitments that they've made to ensure that we are on track to meeting our climate commitments. The hard truth in BC is that we're not on, on in the, heading in that direction. Incrementalism and empty rhetoric won't save us. Immediate and fulsome action will. The organization Canada Action is spreading misinformation about LNG with the Minister of Energy and Mines photo in their ads. Does she know that she's become the face of LNG and greenwashing? LNG does not reduce global emissions, as leading experts have repeated time and again. LNG will not be net zero, regardless of how many carbon offsets they purchase. So my question, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Energy. What will she do to ensure that she does not continue to be the face of LNG in their misleading ad campaigns? Minister of Energy and Mines. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. Thank you, and thank you to the member for the question. And yes, he's, he's absolutely correct that my face may have appeared on ads of what companies want to put out there. Mr. Speaker, it doesn't change what this government stands for, and it doesn't change what I stand for. Mr. Speaker, following on the words of the Minister of Environment, this government takes climate action extremely seriously, has set in ambitious targets and a comprehensive Clean BC plan that has an extensive set of policies across all sectors to drive our emissions down. We know that we need to do this in a way that works for communities and works for people, and that's why we set up the new Energy Action Framework. We have the oil and gas emissions cap that's coming in. We know that this society is transitioning from fossil fuels into clean energy. The Clean Energy and Major Projects Office has been stood up to direct uh, uh, companies into government so that we can help them through the regulatory processes, we can help them make their final investment decisions. We've seen so much interest in hydrogen, we're seeing interest in biofuels, we know that mines want to electrify, we're working directly with Indigenous Nations, with First Nations, to increase their uh, equity stakes and the benefits that they'll receive from clean energy. Mr. Speaker, we are going to stay focused on this, laser focused on this. I appreciate the members' Thank attention you. to this and I appreciate the question. Thank, Thank you. you. House Leader of the Fourth Party. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, during the COVID 19 crisis, everyday hardworking people were sucked into a whirlpool of chaos caused by constantly changing rules brutal restrictions on people's personal freedoms, and a heavy-handed approach that especially failed the most vulnerable British Columbians. Today, Mr. Speaker, British Columbia stands alone, against all evidence, as one of the only jurisdictions in the world to ban healthcare workers who choose not to take the jab because of ideological agenda of this extreme leftist NDP government and their unelected bureaucrats. In the midst, in the midst of a health care staffing crisis, Dr. Bonnie Henry and this NDP government have banned 
thousands of healthcare workers from working in BC's hospitals, clinics, doctors' offices, and ERs. This NDP government is failing working class, everyday British Columbians, and so is Dr. Henry. Question. Question. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. Question, member. Mr. Speaker. Members, 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 hold it. Member, question, please. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My question to this NDP Premier. Will he fire Dr. Bonnie Henry and hire back the thousands of health care workers who were wrongly kicked to the curb? Minister of Health. Well, um, I think, Honourable Speaker, people in BC know that we as a province, not the government, but the whole province, the people of BC led the world in our response to COVID-19. We did so, Honourable Speaker, because we respected science. We respected our public health leaders. And we had an outstanding public health leader, Dr. Bonnie Henry, leading the There are jurisdictions that have intervened to fire the provincial health officer. We are proud of ours, we support ours, and we're going to continue to do so. House Leader of the Fourth Party Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I vividly remember the briefing call I attended where Dr. Bonnie Henry used the term cajole to describe the vaccination update plan that she and the BC NDP had cooked up together. The Cambridge Dictionary defines the word cajole as, and I quote, cajole, to persuade someone to do something they might not want to do by pleasant talk and sometimes false promises, unquote. Mr. Speaker, let me say this, as a medical professional who is personally twice vaccinated, this is not about opposing the jab. It is about ending the medical tyranny of this NDP government and Dr. Bonnie Henry. Enough cajoling, enough coercing, and enough deflecting. It's time to be held accountable. My question to the NDP Premier, Mr. Speaker, will you fire Dr. Bonnie Henry or do you want to wait for the working class, everyday British Columbians to elect a Conservative government and fire you both? Minister of Health. Well, um, Honourable Speaker, um, people in this House will know uh, that uh, Dr. Henry has, yes, repeatedly briefed people in all political parties, repeatedly asked, answered their questions, repeatedly asked for and received support as we sought to get people vaccinated. And I'd like to, in particular, point out the support of individual members of this House. My friend from Peace River South, in difficult times, stepped up. And you know why? Because the people most vulnerable to COVID-19 were the very people that the member talks about. How can you have so much contempt for people who live in long-term care? How can you have so much contempt for people who live in acute care? Like, honorable Speaker, who, ha who have to be in acute care, how can you have, Honorable Speaker, when we know that is the most vulnerable 
who are most vulnerable to COVID-19, how can you take the view that we should have abandoned them? We had the best record, I think, in Canada in response. And we had the best record in Canada in response because Dr. Henry listened to people, she engaged with people, and she applied the best possible science to decisions, including, honorable speaker, the one the member is referring to. She is a great public health leader. I am proud to be associated with her, and I think it is shameful that she's been targeted in this way by a political party in this legislature. She has done a great, courageous, and remarkable job. I stand with her, and I hope everyone in this House does. Thank you, members. Member for Carrie Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, violence and social disorder has never been worse in this province. Melanie and Troy of Walkright Shoe Store are casualties of this Premier's failed catch and release policies. Last week, thieves shattered their store's large display window with a large rock and looted their business. Amid shattered glass, Melanie says, and I quote, more importantly, they stole our family's livelihood, yet we are just supposed to shrug it off again. Repeat offenders aren't being held responsible, and they know there are no consequences, end quote. Mr. Speaker, when will this soft on crime premier end his failed catch and release policies and restore accountability so that crimes have consequences in this province? Attorney General. Uh, Mr. Speaker, everybody in this province deserves to feel safe. When we hear about incidents of violence and vandalism, of course we're all concerned. Um, this isn't a, a government of taking action, and we're facing those, those challenges on all fronts. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we have a Safer Communities Action Plan. Me and my colleagues across government are investing in the types of resources that we know make a difference, including we're hiring more RCMP officers in community, communities throughout BC, especially rural communities. We stood up 12 repeat violent offender and intervention hubs, and those hubs are now up to close to 300 individuals, where they're circling around the most violent repeat offenders to making sure that these people are kept off the street. Mr. Speaker, we're investing in CAR programs to help with the mental health crisis. Um, we're creating peer-assisted care teams to support people in crisis across this province. We are tackling this issue on every front, Mr. Speaker, and we're going to continue to do so. Thank you. Member for Surrey South. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We hear more examples every day about emboldened criminals. Puria Saragard, a past violator of release conditions, was yet again on release conditions when he committed a brazen assault on a stranger. He viciously assaulted and choked a woman in broad daylight in a trail in Coquitlam. And police believe there's likely more victims. Throughout his career, this Premier has consistently prioritized offenders over victims. And it's even been said by former VPD officers when the Premier was with Pivot Legal, he was well known for protecting drug traffickers. A pattern that continues today, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, how can we expect the Premier to end his catch and release policy when his Attorney General, who oversees the BC Prosecution Service, has herself 
turned a blind eye to taxpayer-funded drug trafficking. Attorney General. Mr. Speaker, I want to start by saying when we hear about incidents of that violence and crime in community, of course, it's disturbing and it's for all of us. And we know that we need to take action. We are taking action, Mr. Speaker. It's a challenge that's been faced by communities across North America and Canada. Um, I, I want to say that the, I, I see the impact of the resources that we're having on the ground right now. Um, repeat violent offending is a serious concern that we're tackling head on. We know that repeat violent offenders need to be kept off the street to keep communities safe, and we're tackling that on all fronts, Mr. Speaker. We are asking for bail reform at the federal level. We've led the charge across this country when it comes to that bail reform, and we'll continue to do so. I'm informed that it passed at the Senate today. I'll be speaking with Minister Barani um, to come up, to, to continue to advocate for that to pass quickly through the House of Commons. We need to keep at this issue, Mr. Speaker, and we're standing with communities to make sure that they're safe. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, the government's been giving those same answers for years now, and in that time, we keep seeing results getting worse and worse and worse for people on the streets, and they feel less safe daily. The empty promises just simply ring hollow from a Premier and an Attorney General. The Premier has built his career on challenging law enforcement, even writing the book on how to sue the police. Violent random attacks remain the NDP's new normal as the explosion of violence that began under this Premier's watch as a soft-on-crime Attorney General continues on. Just the other day, a 67-year-old man was the latest victim of a violent random assault just mere blocks from this building near an elementary school as he got stabbed. With a track record of consistently favouring the rights of criminals, Mr. Speaker, who would expect anything other than more rampant violence that's exploded under this soft on crime premier's watch. Attorney General. Um, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I've talked already about the programs that we're investing in, but I want to talk a little bit more about uh, my visit to the Re Repeat Violent Offender Initiative hubs in Surrey and Vancouver, where I got to meet. Uh, frontline workers, including probation officers and Crown Counsel, that are grateful for the resources we've given them to circle around repeat violent offenders, to make sure that they have better information when it comes to putting these, these people behind bars, to make sure they can problem solve, to see what that individual needs to break the cycle of violence and criminal activity. Mr. Speaker, we know that those 12 hubs across the province are working, and we're, I'm glad that we're making that investment. Mr. Speaker, we had a program like this in 2012, and we know that that program was responsible for a reduction in um, repeat offending by 40 percent. They cut that program, Mr. Speaker. We're going to continue to make the, to invest in the Numbers. resources that we need to make this issue better. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Member for Prince George, Wilmount. Well, the attorney and the government can try to blame everyone else, but growing social disorder and crime rests squarely on this Premier's shoulders. The Premier's anti-law enforcement track record is crystal clear. In fact, this Premier authored a book called How to Sue the Police, and he also distributed laminated cards to drug dealers arming street-level criminals with the tactics to evade the police. 
Ex-Sergeant and VPD veteran Curtis Robinson says, and I quote, the Premier stood in the way of active and effective enforcement. He drove a wedge between effective policing and those who were active in crime, end quote. That is the record of the Premier of British Columbia. So how in the world can the public ever trust this Premier to put the rights and the safety of law-abiding citizens over criminals? Attorney General. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I think the party opposite wants British Columbians to forget the cuts that they made across this province that hurt people and contributed to the challenges that we're facing today. They, they were wrong in their approach then. Members, they made devastating members. cuts to social services they help prevent, that help prevent crime and keep communities safe. They cut housing, they cut social services across this province. Mr. Speaker, we are doing the work to make our systems better, to respond to the challenges that we see today, and we will continue to do that work. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Member for Prince George Wilmont Supplemental. Well, it's time for the Attorney General to look in the mirror. Violence and social disorder. Violence and social disorder have never been worse in British Columbia. And the members opposite might want to mock and think that's funny. British Columbians do not think it is funny. When the Premier of, of British Columbia didn't bother to leave his militant activism at Pivot Legal behind, instead, what did he do? He brought his anti-police sentiments into his roles in government, undermining law enforcement at every single turn. Let's look at the facts. As Attorney General, this Premier oversaw a 75% increase in no-charge recommendations and a 40% decrease in the number of people in jail. That is his record. Stop looking in the rearview mirror and look in the mirror at this, uh, this government's record. On his watch, we saw precedent established where the release of violent offenders before the ink dries on the police reports is not the exception but the rule. Members. So when will Members. the Premier prioritize the safety of innocent victims over criminals in British Columbia? Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Let's talk about turning a blind eye. What about money laundering in this province? Members, 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 members will come to order now. Member, member, Attorney General has the floor. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Member, please come to order. Attorney General. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, we have been taking the issue of repeat violent attacks um, and offenders in this province very seriously. Um, we stand with people and communities that are asking for the resources that they need to make this problem better, and we're doing that, Mr. Speaker, and we'll continue to do that work. Thank you.
the bell and the caution period.